Welcome back to the Sports Business Take Podcast, your home for sports industry news with a little personality. I'm Paul Hine. He is Zach Creekmore. How are you doing today, Zach? Doing good, Paul. How are you, brother? I'm great, man. I've, I've been working all week to try to build us a website. It's coming along a little bit. I'm just teasing you guys a little bit, the listeners a little bit. We'll probably have it up in <laughs> like two weeks-ish. Um, I'm working on, I have like our homepage done ish like right now it's like about us it has both of our profiles i think i showed it to you um but i also want to do like an episodes page and then i want to do like a socials page and then i want to have like a contact us page so like guests can email us and be like you know i want to come on the podcast how do i get set up with it and we do it that way Mm. um or be able to reach out like through the website to guests so that's kind of what i've been working on at least at least in here outside of school and you know yeah. baseball and all that yeah it's it's been a, it's been a busy week i've had like four exams this week um i'm sure it has for you too with being in the middle of soccer season oh absolutely always is keep myself yeah, busy right. running around with my head cut off a little bit but it's always a yeah. fun time <laughs> right exactly all right so the first thing we're going to talk about today is Mr. Beast, the YouTuber and influencer, for those who don't know, who has, is believed to have the most subscriptions of any individual on YouTube, TikTok, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, and Instagram, over 350 million combined followers, over 350 million combined followers. That is like, that's like a 16th of the planet, if you think about it like that. And therefore, he brings a lot of eyeballs, right? So he signed an official or a deal to become the official jersey patch label of the Charlotte Hornets, as well as those of their G League team, the Greensboro Swarm, and the NBA 2K League Hornets um, on the NBA 2K video game. So, as well as media backdrops for preferences or or for press conferences. Sorry. Um, And so this is for his food brand feastables that is his like food brand that's his marketing that's that's how he markets a lot that's one of his offshoots so this was a very interesting deal to me because this is now the first influencer to cross into jersey sponsorship in u.s sports history and it's a really interesting intersection between pop culture and sports i thought what do you think about this yeah absolutely definitely really interesting to see somebody who's kind of been a pop culture figure, like you said, someone who's more of a social media influencer, YouTube influencer, who's bringing in a lot of money, is definitely very giving with his finances, um, who is now taking this new avenue and trying to build revenue in these different branches and outlets. So seeing somebody who started in YouTube, started in Instagram, and has really built a following based on that, and now has stuff like Beast Burger, now has Feastable as Candy Company, and really starting to grow that and see that grow as like an actual way to build businesses and to build something that's larger than just beyond you yourself as a brand, which is something we haven't entirely seen before. So it's definitely yeah, he took his, really interesting. Yeah, he took his really brand and created like five different brands, and now it's even extending into sports, which is pretty cool to me. That's that's what I thought was cool about it. Exactly. Like you don't see 
you don't see individuals outside of the sports world get involved in the sports world like this a lot. Um, you know, another interesting, obviously, I don't want to go into detail, but obviously another interesting pop culture thing that's happening right now is Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and that's a whole separate thing. But, you know, when people like that, when celebrities get into sports and then take it not just to a level of being involved with the team, but being part of a sponsorship in the team, then it creates whole a whole new set of fans, right? It's a whole new fan base that they're going to bring in. People that watch Mr. Beast on YouTube or, you know, TikTok or Instagram or whatever, however they follow him, but don't watch the Charlotte Hornets might be like, hmm, he supports them? Maybe I should check it out. Because I guarantee you now that he is the official Jersey Patch sponsor, he'll be posting content with them. I like I would not be surprised at all. And vice versa, possibly, you know, we could see some really interesting collabs there. It creates a lot of opportunities, especially for their social media team, for the Hornets social media team, to create some really interesting not only like behind the scenes content, but also um some interesting crossover with how he does his his platforms. Absolutely agreed. Definitely crossover is gonna be a big thing. Advertising, different social media, new fan streams, new viewers, solely based on this name that has billions of people following it, all of a sudden attached to this brand, the Charlotte Hornets, who have billions of millions to billions of people following it. So there's now this huge following and this mash of cultures, which is always really cool to see. Just like we've seen with the Taylor Swift fans and the Kansas City Chiefs and Travis Kelsey in recent this past week. Right, we're now going to see it with Charlotte Hornets and Mr. Beast, and seeing how that mashes and melds. Um, really interested to see: is it going to benefit Mr. Beast more in terms of his revenue on his Feastables product, or is it going to benefit the chart the Hornets more in their revenue as a Mr. Beast fans are going and buying the jersey because it has the Mr. Beast logo on it? Right? Are they right. going to be making more money that way because of that? It's it'll be a really interesting thing and interesting adaptation to see and maybe inspiring more of these YouTubers who have massive revenues like PewDiePie, for example, not as big as he used to be, um, but who have 50 million, 100 million followers and coming in and they're actually sponsoring sports teams, which would be really that's, interesting to see. Of yeah, that's exactly what, that's where my head went to it too, was I wonder if this is going to be a trend-setting deal. Will more influencers kind of follow in his footsteps and decide, oh, we want to not maybe not even just like a piece of sponsorship. Maybe we want a piece of the team. You know what I mean? Maybe influencers say, maybe they say, I see this product. You know, I'm, let's use the Charlotte Hornets for an example. But maybe this product is working for me, right? Let's say he has success with this sponsorship deal and he's right. like okay i see that their brand is good the product on the on the court is good so let's up it you know to the next level let's take it to the next level let's go own a piece of the team i wonder if we kind of see that kind of crossover where some of these youtubers start saying this could be a really new avenue for me to make money in a way that i haven't before and also a really new, interesting way to put out content. Because, like, let's be honest, in the social media world, 
there's only so many new ideas you can have, right? There's only so many new ways you can create content. And even like, even for us, I find it a struggle sometimes to create new content. Like I have to spend sometimes like a half hour or, you know, at a time just thinking of like, Oh, what, like, what am I going to put out next week? You know, like, how am I going to create some interesting, um, behind the scenes look, or how am I going to give, the listeners a new experience right and i i feel like this could be right. a really interesting opportunity for both sides to be like oh this is a really new interesting way to create a different type of content than we have been putting out traditionally yeah absolutely um and it it brings you talking about them getting into ownership groups and stuff like that is definitely really interesting specifically because if we look at um, recent times with what's going, been going on with Wrexham um, Football Club in Wales and the acquisition of that by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. And if you've been following their documentary and docuseries on the rise of Wrexham now in League Two and seeing that growth, I think it's definitely influenced a lot of, I guess you could say, celebrities and famous individuals who are really interested in kind of sports and, and making their money and investing in stuff. And we've seen a lot of growth. Like we've seen Tom Brady start investing in teams. We've seen, right. Um, I think Travis Kelsey's invested in a team. I've seen, I think a couple others, right. Are all invested in these new avenues. Mahomes. Now. Um, and those guys are sports, Mahomes but, yeah. but they're also celebrities, right? It's, like it's, the, it's sports, one in the right? same, right. It's one in the same. Agreed. Yeah, and then I, there's one other I, that's really interesting from years ago that if you want to hear about it, I can talk about, but we don't need to worry. Yeah, about yeah, it. go so, ahead. Go ahead. So have you ever heard of Hashtag United? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. Okay. So I don't remember the details FIFA, on it, but I've heard of it. Right. A bunch of FIFA YouTubers get together. They're part of their own online tech team. And I, well, not online tech, but they have a professional FIFA team in addition to having a semi-professional, actually, sporting team. So they're in the lower leagues of professional football, right? But, right, they're lower leagues there. But there's a team that's made by YouTubers for YouTubers. It's sponsored by them. It's hashtag United. They're a whole big brand. And it's something that was done 10, 20 years ago, right? So really interested to see if, Stuff starts to go in that avenue, um, which I don't think it will because I think what they did was entirely different and unique from what we might see influencer right. YouTubers kind of do um, after right. this Mr. Beast expansion. They they also have a little more so, in, right. They have a little more involvement in Europe too. I was looking into like you know is this right. really the first deal that's kind of like this? And um, there are more deals like this in Europe than there are here. Like this is the first Jersey deal here. The only other deal that um, is even similar is Logan Paul and KSI's brand Prime have sponsorships with um, the LA Dodgers and the UFC. So they have like they have coordination yeah. with them. But Mr. Beast is the first to go so far as I want to have my patch on the jersey, and and you know that's kind of like that's a level of sponsorship that um, is kind of almost at the top tier, if not the top tier, it's one of the top tiers of sponsorship because it's so exposed, right? You see it on yeah. 
all of the content that is going to be out there, all of the product that is going to be broadcasted um, of the on-field product, you know, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And I totally agree. It's definitely, not only in Europe are those shirt patches and shirt deals and all of that branding high more, high, a lot more frequent. In addition to, there's a lot more teams that get that type of sponsorship. Um, right. There's also just more, more interest in that, more interest in that, and more history with it. In the U.S., I think this is like one of the first two or three seasons the NBA is doing those patches, right? right. Or NBA teams yeah. are doing those patches, from at least from my knowledge. Um, in addition, right. I don't think a lot of NFL teams have branded sponsorships on their jerseys, right? Not something I see frequently. Even yeah, I feel like it's a relatively it's a little... new concept here in the U.S., at least within the last, like, decade to decade and a half, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's a new concept, something that's newly being adapted, and seeing social media influencers kind of take advantage of that, this is the first right. time we're really doing it, which is really awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just wonder uh, how much this is going to affect – how influence if this is going to draw more influencers into the sports world i think i think that it will and i also think that there could be some really cool crossovers between youtubers tiktok influencers and sports teams right i mean you already see some um tiktok influencers are in the sports world like for example Libby dunn but you know they don't particularly get involved with pro teams a lot and this is kind of the first example of, of that. And I think it could be a really cool intersection, like I was talking about earlier with some of the content stuff. Um, so if you don't have anything else on this, I'd like to have us go to our next topic, if that's okay. Yes, sir. Let's move. All right. You want to introduce it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on it. Um, so second topic of the day, we're talking about Utah, who this past week gave each scholarship player on their football team, a 2024 Ram 1500 Bighorn truck as part of an NIL deal they have with the Crimson Collective. So lease and insurance costs are going to be fully funded by donors of the Crimson Collective, although the athletes will need to go to each cover the taxes on their lease. Um, this right. lease is going to last for the entirety of their academic and playing time at the school as long as they are on scholarship. Um, or until they transfer. In addition, correct. So as long as they're right. at the school on scholarship. If they're going right. anywhere else, the truck does not go with them. It is right. – if you've seen pictures of it, it's exclusively Utah branded and it's really loud and proud about it. Yeah, the, love, design, the design's awesome. pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. The design's pretty cool. When I when I saw it, I was like, that's awesome. That's um, – and we're going to get into <laughs> this later, but that's a huge incentive – for a player that's on the bubble about going in the transfer portal to not go. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. I, I just wanted to quickly clarify, for those who don't know what the Crimson Collective is, basically that would be the group of people that helps Utah get their um, NIL deals, right? That That's the group of donors, or it can be alumni. It's kind of like a booster group, um, but it's not yep. all boosters. But it, it's basically a group of donors that helps the school get their NIL deals. So that is what um, they are. They're also responsible for helping them promote that collective as part of the deal. Um, so I believe, I believe um, 
the requirement for that is they have to promote the collective um, by basically being involved in the content that the collective puts out, right? By being involved in like, behind the scenes social media content on on Utah's page and that that kind of stuff, and like just to get more eyeballs to the school and to the collective. That's how it's basically they have to market them and they get the truck. It's kind of like a exactly. Um, it's not exactly a quid pro quo because they probably would be in a lot of the content regardless, but um, there is just like a small requirement to it. Yes. So a small I, requirement of them giving their name, image, likeness, and endorsement of the Crimson Collective, which is sponsoring right. them. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, and that's not a huge deal. Like, they probably would have gotten involved in, in that somehow anyways, right? So it's not like they're being held against yeah. their will or anything like that. Um, you know, it's completely uh, voluntary, that kind of thing. But I, to me, the interesting aspect of this is I have I had two questions that I wanted to like address, which was one having it apply only to scholarship players seems like an interesting decision. I wonder whether that was a condition of the deal presented by the team and the collective, or by Ram itself in partnering with them. And I don't know the answer to that yeah. question, but like, what do you think the advantage of, or what do you think the thinking behind? having it only apply to their scholarship players would be. Yeah, definitely, <coughs> definitely kind of difficult. Um, and definitely kind of hard to see why, but also I kind of do get it. If you're buying 85 of these top of the line, 2024 trucks, right? right. Which is probably $60,000. Maybe a little bit, right? So it's $60,000 times 85 individuals. Yeah, they sent out about 100 trucks this week. It was about 100 trucks that they right. sent out this week. Okay. Really? So you're saying mm -hmm. they have 100 players on scholarship? That's what I read in the article that we that we, um, that we we read, yeah. There are about 100 trucks delivered yeah. this week. So Dude, if it's college football teams trucks, are big. I would say that. 99% of their athletes that are part of the football program are on scholarship. More than likely. That, I mean, college football a, teams are big, like 100 to yeah. 120 guys. 120 guys is a lot. I mean, because you're thinking expect, about but yeah. they have like three to four strings of players, right? They have their starters, they have the second string, third string, and yep. sometimes a lot of people fourth string. And then they have some red shirt guys too. So, you know, you're talking about – a lot of different groups of individuals that you know could that are on the football team that could be eligible, but yeah, they sent out about a hundred trucks, and it's sixty thousand dollars. You know, you do the math; that's what six million, six, right? Six million, yeah. Six hundred, six hundred k. Sorry. Um, no, no, six million is right. Six yeah, no, right. no, yeah, six million. Yeah, six million. <laughs> that's about six million in value of of trucks. So. You know, I would expect that they would promote it a little bit. But I, I think the reasoning to me having it be only the scholarship players is because that there's so many guys on the team and because the walk-ons in particular and the red shirts aren't guaranteed to make the team. So they can't guarantee them a truck because especially for the red shirt guys, right? Like when you do a red shirt year, you're not using a year of eligibility. 
So if you do a redshirt year, right. part of the condition of having the truck is it needs to be during your eligibility. So redshirt guys right. automatically can't have it. And walk-ons, if they're not on scholarship, I mean, the value of them to the program, I guess, I don't know if it was a program decision or not, but maybe the thinking is, like, who knows if they're going to be here if they don't make the team, right? They could transfer very easily. So, you know, we're going to incentivize them to get on scholarship by having this um, truck deal, and hopefully they'll stay here. And I think that's the other interesting piece of it to me is how does this affect, how do deals like this affect the transfer portal, right? This is going to incentivize guys mm-hmm. to want to stay at Utah, right? You get a you get a free truck while you're here, while you're there. Of course, you're going to want to stay, right? <laughs> you know, like you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to pay for your car loans anymore, right? And a lot of kids have that, so, you know. This is a really good example of how NIL can be used to a positive effect in getting athletes what they need, right? I mean, everybody's going to need transportation. And basically getting a free truck is not only cool, but it's also it's very good of the school to pursue deals like that. And um, But I just wonder right. how many guys are going to be incentivized to stay. Do you think like a, a much larger percentage will be incentivized to stay? and not go into the transfer portal because that has been a big thing over the last few years. I definitely think it definitely helps. Like you're incentivizing their participation in your program, um, whether they're on scholarship or not. And if they lose their scholarship, I would say it's probably more likely that they were to go than if they didn't before. Um, right. But I definitely think those on scholarship players have a higher incentive because you are actively giving them more that another school would be willing to offer them in terms of right. like support systems and things like you're actively giving them a truck. Another school, whether they're going to get more playing time there or not, is less likely to actively give them a truck. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think it's a huge incentive for people to stay. And I wonder if you know other schools will kind of take an example of this and say, oh, what Utah did was really good in getting their players to, you know, commit to the school, right? So maybe we'll do the same right. for our players, and then maybe the whole transfer portal numbers drop down from, you know, the extreme levels that they've been at the last few years. And part of that had to do with COVID. But, right, yeah. I, I think, yeah. like, this could be a trend-setting type of deal where you start to see a lot of schools get – into um into deals with car companies because it makes a ton of sense it's one of the biggest needs of a college student never mind a college athlete right so it it Mm. totally makes sense for them to pursue those type of deals um i also just thought it was kind of a cool concept right just your whole team gets a truck a customized truck (laughs) the customized paint job is really cool it's it's pretty cool, and you could do you could market that too as a school, right? Like like, you can do your own custom design and <laughs> oh, yeah, use that really as marketing. and use that as part of your marketing campaigns, like free advertising. So, um, yeah, so yeah, I I thought that well, was anywhere cool. your student goes, they know. Right, exactly. Like anywhere that athlete 
I'm from Utah. Yeah, I, like I didn't even think of it until you just mentioned that. That makes total sense. It's literally free advertising wherever they go. Um, yeah, so on awesome. on multiple levels that this is a smart decision. Yeah. Expensive, but cool and really smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Unless you have anything else on that, I, I think let's move on to our last topic of the day. Transition. Let's move it. All right. So um, our last topic of the day is ESPN creates an NHL version of NFL Red Zone called Frozen Frenzy. And so my first thought when I saw this was this is going to be a huge, huge win for the NHL. Huge win. Because I, in my opinion, the NHL's product, one of the problems with it is that, and, you know, in a lot of sports in general, is that the highlights are kind of few and far between, Right. Um, a lot of the game can be, and I'm sure you know as a soccer fan, a lot of the game can be just passing back and forth between teams, right? And how do you, as a sports franchise, maximize and squeeze out the most excitement and engagement for fans that you can get out of your product when there's, let's say, three goals, two goals scored, right, in the two-hour right. time slot, right? It's like, it's like really, ten to you know, ten to twenty minutes of like action-packed game, and you know, not to say that hockey is a slow game. It's not. It's a very fast-moving game, but a lot of it is is passing back and forth, right? And you know, that is also just my opinion. That may not be the thinking behind it, but I think the thinking behind it is to squeeze the most excitement and highlight. Because, like, listen, we live in a highlight real world, right? That's just the way the sports yeah. world is at the moment. Because of social media, because of our society's short attention spans, people are always looking for the highlight reels, right? They're looking for what was the most exciting thing from the game without having to sit down and watch it for two and a half hours. So the fact yep. that they can now jump around between games that are going on at the same time and get the most exciting part of whatever game is the most exciting of the games on the slate going, um, I think will help their product immensely. What do you Absolutely think? agree. I think this is a great move for the NHL. Um, <laughs> I think something they've been missing is that type of, here's the center of all, everything you're going to want to watch tonight. Right? Especially right. for those entry-level fans who may might not have a team they're following or... Right, it's for the casual fans. Right, exactly. This isn't for the diehard hockey fan that's there and wanting to watch every single game every time and wants to support the Islanders or support the Devils, etc., right? Right. Those fans can do exactly what I was talking about and sit through the two-and-a-half-hour game and love every single second of it. But this is more directed towards the casual fans where it's like, oh, I'm interested in hockey... But, you know, maybe I don't have the two and a half hours to commit to it today. So I'm just going to sit down and watch, you know, the highlights from these games. Or you love hockey and your team doesn't play tonight, right? Right. So you have that fan that's maybe it's a Canucks fan and they don't play tonight, but they can go and they can watch all the other games via the Frozen Frenzy because they know they don't want to watch a specific team. And I definitely think it's 
especially the thing you mentioned with social media and us living in a highlight real world where our attention span might be shorter than seven minutes. Right. right. And someone isn't exactly. going to be able to watch the whole game. They need that transition to be able to stay focused on it and to really kind of absorb the information and fall in love with the game. It takes you into what games are the most interesting um, to me. Right. And th- they're only going to debut this on one day so far. It's going to be, it's set to debut on October 24th as kind of their test run um, for them to see mm. how it goes. And there's no, um, clarity to if there's going to be more trials of it beyond that date. Um, but it should be easy for ESPN to do because they own all, all, sorry, all of the out-of-market games rights. They own all of the out-of-market games rights for the NHL. So creating a service like this should be super attainable, right? It, I mean, it, it just takes an, um, a person, an extra, or an extra broadcast team, really, to be able to put it together. That's all it takes. And, you know, that ESPN has enough resources they can hire those people, right? So I think <laughs> this is going to be – Right. I think this is going to be a really interesting and useful service um, because you're going to get more action. And when there's multiple hockey games at the same time, you're going to be able to – you know, you're not going to have to flip channels or you're not going to have to pay for more streaming services if that's how you watch games. All you have to do is flip on ESPN – and they have it all. Yeah, I think it's a smart move by ESPN. Great move for the NHL. I'm really interested to see who or what team and what games end up getting the most coverage on that service. Um, if they end up doing more than one night, right, of the Frozen Frenzy, and really, I, I think they'll do more than the one best night. The league that most most coverage, the one that wins the Stanley Cup final, or is it a team that? can seize a lot of goals, so you're seeing a lot of highlights against them. Um, I don't know. It right. seems like a really interesting thing to analyze. Yeah, I, I think they're going to get more than one night out of it. I mean, the concept is so solid that I, I believe that it'll be a huge success. Um, but I'm really interested. I'm going to have to tune in on October 24th. And for those of you who are hockey fans, you should tune in as well because I feel like that'll be a really interesting um, thing to see play out on the broadcast. Agreed. I know I will be tuned in. I'm here for it. <laughs> Me too. I tuned into the um, side note. I tuned into the uh, Toy Story game last weekend. Did you at yeah. all? Yeah. I actually. No, I, I saw whole... highlights from it. It was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I watched a whole quarter of the alternate broadcast. I thought it was pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, there were there were a lot of different things that they could do with it. They had um, the Slinky Dog from Toy Story be like the the sideline marker for the first down and 10, that, that type of stuff. That was pretty cool. And they had the claw coming in to pick up the ball and move it up. Um, so I thought there were really <laughs> a lot of interesting um, animation concepts that they used in there and a lot that they could use going forward. And so to watch something like that, I definitely have to now tune into this as well. We, we're totally into <laughs> We're both of us going to have to be into alternate broadcast now, um, because oh, yeah. I think it's I think it's a cool thing to talk about, especially on a platform like this. Um, Absolutely. If you have nothing else, I I'd like to move on to the sports quarter of the week. Wrap it up a little. Yeah, all I'm going to say is I really loved the big heads for the for the alternate broadcast. Yes. I thought it was so yes, sick. <laughs> that was awesome. 
Yes, that was really cool. I, I loved how they kind of used <laughs> the Toy Story characters to um, to emulate like who would be who a little bit. They didn't use the Toy Story characters as the players, but you know, instead of having like normal commercials, sometimes they would have you know like the trivia questions about Toy Story characters. They used so many different okay. interesting ways to entertain people. Um, that I think it could be a really interesting concept applied to different movie franchises going forward, for sure. Absolutely. All right, why don't I let you start with your sports score of the week because I just went on a whole montage. <laughs> okay, so my sports score of the week, kind of a bit less of a quote, more of a moment of the week. Really interesting to see. If you've been following the Premier League recently, you would have heard about it this past weekend. Um Jurgen Klopp on the Liverpool versus Spurs game and the refereeing controversy that came in with it. I've got a little passage from him to read and I've got the refereeing situation to read. Um, but Jurgen Klopp said it's really important that as big as football is and as important as football is, we deal with it in a proper way. He told reporters Wednesday, all the people involved, the on-field referee, linesman, fourth official, and especially in this case, VAR, did not do that on purpose. We should not forget that. Now, I'm going to read you out the exact situation of DVAR uh, communication between the referees because it really gives context to the situation of how... And I'm not saying VAR is bad in any way, but how much this took over this past week of, of Premier League news and its adaptation of the video assistance and how it might be going forward. So this communication is VAR, possible offside on um, Diaz, right? Assistant referee number two says, give it. Assistant referee one, coming back for the offside, mate. VAR, just checking the offside. Delay, delay. Give the kick point. Let's go. Kick point, please. Referee, yeah, no worries, mate. Replay operator. So here we are. Just get a tight angle. VAR, yeah, give me 2D line ready after this. One for frame, two after that. So frame two there, that's fine. Perfect, yeah, 2D line on the left boot. Let me just switch angles. I think it is, VAR again. Replay operator, I think it might be this angle better. Happy with this angle, VAR, yep. Replay operator, 2D line on the boot. VAR, 2D line on the boot. Replay operator, yeah, okay, so 2D line on the boot. VAR and stop. Check complete, check complete, that's fine, perfect. Assistant referee, one, playing. Referee, cheers mate, VAR, thank you. Well done, boys. Good process. Question mark, question. Replay operator. Wait, 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 wait. The on-field decision was offside. Are you happy with this? Assistant VAR. Yeah. Replay operator. Are you happy with this? Assistant VAR. Offside goal. Yeah, that's wrong. That does. VAR. What? Replay operator. On-field decision was offside. Are you happy with this image? Yeah, it's onside. The image that we gave them is onside. He's played him. He's gone offside. VAR. O, explicit statement, meaning probably O, F-bomb. Delay, delay. Ollie's saying to delay. Ollie's saying delay. VAR, pardon, replay operator. Ollie's calling in to say delay the game. The decision is onside. VAR, can't do anything. Replay operator. Ollie's saying delay. Ollie's saying delay. VAR, Ollie. Fourth official, yeah. Replay operator, delay the game. To delay the game. Stop the game. They've restarted the game. Can't do anything. Can't do anything. Yeah, they've restarted. Yeah, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. Explicit. So basically, right. they got they got Holy the call wrong. Moly. They couldn't. That was a confusing the process to follow. Right. Yeah, 
But you see the, the amount of communication there and just that right. isn't the process that VAR is supposed to be. That isn't no. the process that refereeing is supposed to be. We should no. be confident in taking the steps. And if we're going to do VAR, which is video assistant refereeing, right, take the time to get the process right. I know yeah. we want to play the game. We want the game to continue. But if you're not confident in the call if you're not sure, and you take don't your time. know for a fact right. that you're – right. If it is being checked, allow the check to be processed properly, right? Right. This happened because they didn't go through the process right and weren't able to look at all the angles because they rushed themselves, right? Do you Human think error is okay. Human refereeing error is okay. Right. Do you think that's like a training issue? Because I, I highly doubt that it's a, like a training issue where they weren't like trained to call it the right way. Or do you think they were trusting no. the VAR too much or did it just not – Work the way that they wanted I don't, it to, I don't think it's or were they trying to speed up or, the game? Right. I don't think it's any of those. I think the the f- pure fact is it was just pure human error of okay. It VAR is two guys sitting in a separate desk looking at it from video perspective and watching playbacks. Right. Right. So their ability to respond to the situation was errored right they didn't get to do their job properly and that's perfectly okay it happens we understand but a refereeing decision was the deciding factor of this game liverpool lost this game right it can mean a lot incorrect right and that's two and a half points they don't have that's two points they don't have so it's it's an impact right and just making sure the process is streamlined and clearly communicating and that we're willing to take the time to to properly process these decisions. Right. right. Just because Otherwise, we have no video. Right. Just because we have video and technology and some of these things that have come into refereeing in a lot of the major sports the last few years doesn't mean you shouldn't still take the time to not rush through the call and really get it right. You know, because that's that's really the main part of the job is to do the best you can with what you think you have and not rush it, right? And I, I feel like from what you described yeah. there, they they definitely rushed it a little bit. So that's interesting to see kind of how um, the technology and the human error both kind of molded there. Absolutely. And I just think that I was reading that passage of like communication between the referees earlier and holy moly, I could not help but smile and just put my hand in my face yeah, and be it like, was, holy shit. It was too much, My right? It, it was, it was too much. You just gotta, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you gotta simplify it a little bit, right? Um, so yeah, that I'm gonna go in a completely different direction with my sports quote of the week. By the way, it's, <laughs> like, it's completely different from. That's okay. It's more on the um, the athlete side. So Bryson Stott said this after his Grand Slam in uh, the game two of the wild card round between the Phillies and the Marlins this week. So he said, I was running around the bases in kind of a blackout. I don't know. I have to go back and watch it. So <laughs> I, I thought that was interesting because I love how in sports there are some moments where it is literally, and especially in that ballpark where it's such a cool environment, it's literally so not only loud, but it's just such a big moment. That sports provide these huge moments where – it brings so much emotion out of people that they literally don't remember it sometimes, right? And I, I thought that was yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. But 
also working in sports is it not our goal to kind of provide people with those memories where it's like we want them to remember it but we almost want it to be such a good time that you know maybe they have to go back and watch it a little bit to remember all the details right because they were so they were so engaged with it they were so engrossed in their emotion or our product brought that out of them right we want our product to bring that out of them that's that's kind of what i took out of it yeah we we want to provide a product where there's so much living in the moment that they aren't actually thinking about the pop like they aren't rem- sitting back and they're going oh what a great experience but what exactly did i do what did i love about it right and there's so, right. there's so many different factors of right there's this there's that there's that and we remember one thing and then we look back and let's, oh my gosh, that was so cool too, right? So we're trying to provide this amazing experience where people are truly allowed to live in the moment and be right. unique in that way, right? People right. talk about, and I, this is gonna be a weird example, but like people talk about parties and they go out and they party and they live life and they live in the moment and they go crazy. Then they come back the next morning they're like, holy moly, what happened last night? Now, right. whether or not that's caused by the use of outside substances or not, we don't need to talk about. But <laughs> we are talking about creating an experience where people are allowed to live in the moment and experience and live and love. That's right. right. And that's really yeah. what the goal of us professionals are. Provide that that's party. Right. One of my one of my bosses at the Sea Dogs used to say, We're in the memory making business, right? And I, I feel like mm. this quote kind of represents that in a way, and I know it's from the athlete perspective. But it's how can we take that and apply it to the fans, right? To me, that's that's what yeah. I took out of it. Um, all right, unless you have anything else, I, I think we're pretty good. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Love that right. quote, though. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for listening once again. Go follow us on our socials at SBT underscore podcast on Instagram. Uh, at sbt.pod23 on TikTok and sbtpod23 on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> hopefully, no one knows that. Right. Hopefully, we will be coming out with our website in the next few weeks. I want to get it done in the next two weeks. I also think this is going to be a pretty cool thing, not to brag, but I think this is going to be a cool thing for me to learn and to be able to put on my resume like, oh, I learned how to design a website. Right? So... Yeah, I, I like. Uh, that's one of the reasons I like this platform is not only because we can reach people, but also because you know we can learn new skills that we didn't even necessarily know existed. Right? I wouldn't have known how to design a website if I hadn't been doing this. Right? Um, so hopefully we'll get that out soon, and you guys can check that out. And if you have anybody that wants to come on the show, you'll be able to direct them there, and they can get in touch with us directly that way. So thank you guys for listening and have a great week.